Today's episode is brought to you by AFCO Racing Products. For over three decades, AFCO Racing Products has focused on one goal, deliver high quality racing products to those who compete to win. In drag racing, you only get one chance to get it right. Choosing quality components from the start leads to round wins and ultimately leads to championships. At AFCO Racing Products, they engineer, manufacture, and produce four-way shocks, struts, and double adjustable shocks complemented by a complete lineup of springs to support the entire range of drag racing competitors. If you are bracket racing today and future plans include top dragster or top sportsman, they have the correct shock package for you at every stage of your racing career. For tech support, quality, and superior on-track performance, think AFCO Racing Products. Welcome to the Fast Brackets Podcast, where we highlight the cars and stars of top sportsmen and top dragster drag racing. I am your host, Rex Simmermaker, coming to you from the heart of Indianapolis, the racing capital of the world. Welcome to the show. Guys, girls, today is episode number 86. Man, um, kind of amazing, actually. Uh, it is the third weekend in or third week I should say in November essentially the racing season is over for the majority of us Uh, the NHRA has finished up their national event series um, over the weekend uh, wrapped up all of those uh, title chases which actually were very cool there's a couple of very very cool uh, title series that kind of wrapped up there Uh, especially in pro stock, at least for my interest's sake. Um, The World Street Finals uh, took place over the weekend for the Heads Up guys. And then we had the Guaranteed Million Great American Bracket Race. That was over the weekend as well. So kind of wrapped up the really the year in general terms for a lot of folks. Uh, NHRA, Heads Up guys, and the Bracket fellas. So um, anyway, so we're, we're... officially i think into the off season um and i will just tell you i am very excited because i finally got to do race car stuff again um partly because my new titanium hip is healing up fairly well um and i can move around the shop well enough to find that 10 millimeter um and partly because Simmermaker motorsports took possession of a 2013 Camaro from Jerry Haas race cars and that needed to move around a little bit. So simple pleasures in life, but loading up the car, hooking onto the trailer and rolling down the highway again felt really good. Uh, it had been almost two years since I looked in the rearview mirror and saw that trailer behind me and it, it felt good. Uh, what can I say? Um, it was It was good to be back to doing that stuff again. So I am really excited. Um, all right, before we get to it today, let me say this. Normally, 
I love getting messages from you savages. Uh, normally, when you hit me up, I appreciate it. I enjoy the comments or even correction to whatever was said on the show. And I truly like the interaction that I'm able to have with all of you out in Fast Brackets Nation. All Every single one of you listeners, it's great. I love it. And I always give you, at the end of the show, I give you three ways you can communicate and uh, make corrections, suggestions to the show, because it is um, all about us, and it's not about me. It's about uh, the nation. So, you know, always you have three ways at the end of the show to get a hold of me, to make uh, suggestions. That said... I got an extraordinary amount of messages and emails uh, the past a week or so for some reason, and they truly, almost every single one of them, is crossing the median or up against the wall. Um, first of all, um, I got a few messages from people claiming their handle was Four Doors More Whores. And while likely inappropriate, you and I both know that 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 very specific handle was already taken by a guy in uh, Kenosha, Wisconsin, who is on the witness stand all last week. So stop it. Stop it. There's no, uh, do not use that handle anymore. Um, And I don't care if you are a big honk of parts fall off fan. Um, Please stop with that handle. Secondly, and and I'm slightly less offended by this one, I got a few females sending me selfies holding air filters, um, like it's some Instagram filter to make them look better. I I don't know where this took off. You want to use filters to make your Instagram profile look better by all means, but simply holding an air filter is not the appropriate way to do it. And it truly doesn't make you look any better. So I don't want any more of those picks until we get a Canaan sponsorship for the show, which in that case, I'll let you know. I'll be very clear about that. And then it is okay to send me all your selfies again, ladies. That is fine. Until then, stop it. I don't need to see you holding on to an air filter. Don't need it. Um, And then there was this. Um, and this is good. This is a new listener. So, uh, dear Rex, I am a new listener. Love the show. Love being a part of Fast Brackets Nation. The interviews are great. The water box section where you kind of lose your mind is great. But, and, and this is where you know this thing takes a turn for the worst. I mean, you know this is coming. I'm just going to keep reading. But... Why do you hate roadsters so much? I mean, so I'm going to forgive him because he's new to the nation, but I'm going to succinctly say this. I hate roadsters because they stink, they're terrible, they're ugly, and they're awful. I mean, I don't know how to say it any more clearer than that. They are absolutely brutal, and I hate them. So that's that's the reasoning. There it is. There it is. all for you laid out, and um, I'll be taking uh, no more questions on that subject. That's all I can say. I mean, it's amazing, really. Um, You know what? Fast Bracket Nation never lets me down. Nice work. Thank you for all of that communication, those messages, emails, but uh, clean it up. We we need to clean it up a little bit. We don't need the handles. We don't need... uh, 
ladies just holding air filters and we certainly don't need any action uh, about roadsters uh, we, we just don't need it because we've got a great show and i've got an unbelievable guest on for you today i've got jimmy lewis he is your nhra top sportsman world champion he did it in fantastic style this year uh really pretty amazing story um and and jimmy goes into detail for you with that i mean it was it was really great it's uh it was a fantastic interview um, he was really gracious with his time and and really broke down all of that um, so it's really a fantastic show so let's do this get to doing whatever it is you do while you listen to the show make your commute clean the shop work on that old heap but metaphorically speaking get your helmet on get strapped in because here we go. All right, let's make a pass. Let's get these things hot. Let's put it in the water box. And I, I hate to do it, but uh, the bracket racers have done it again at the guaranteed million Great American Bracket Race. Um, <laughs> Man, the people get fired up. They get absolutely fired up. Um, and what I will say is this. Some dude, and I'm not even going to say his name. I'm going to act like it's a streaker at the Super Bowl. And I'm going to not put the camera on the white butt that's running across the field. I'm, I'm going to choose not to give him run. So I'm just going to say some dude. Because it's ridiculous and you should not get any publicity for this act. But this dude stages it up, um, and apparently the tower had his dialing wrong. Uh, we, you know, we've all probably been there. I don't know if you have, but I certainly have. I've looked up and, um, you know, said, "Hey, the dialing's wrong." It maybe because it's I have bad handwriting, uh, but it happens from time to time. And the rule book is very clear. It says once you pre-stage the car, you accept the dialing. And that's, that's how that rule book works, and that's how it's very clearly stated. Um, well, that wasn't going to do it for our hero, because apparently he doesn't look at the dial board until he pre-stages, which is not the correct process for this. Um, so if that's what you do and you've been lucky to this point, don't do that. Uh, do not do that. Check after your burnout or before your burnout or whatever. Make sure you do not pre-stage before you check the, the dial and the scoreboard. But um, our hero, geez, um, after he pre-stages, realizes this um, and then starts arguing with the starting line official. Uh, the starting line official restates the rule book to him. And this dude decides to take out every cone there is all the way down the track. So he just takes off, knowing that he, you know, is uh, in big trouble, leaves and just destroys every cone down the track. Um, not appropriate, not great for um, anybody really. Um, but this is all getting uh very squid game-ish i would say um and i can also understand how frustrating that would be because the entry fees are high um 
you know, it's an exciting time. There's lots of money on the line. So, you know, we all get a little amped up, but we know the rules when we pull through the gates. And part of that is accepting certain responsibilities, which is check your dial board before you pre-stage it. And goodness, man, the poor cones. I mean, come on. What Those poor cones did not deserve any of that. And the track workers who have to go and reset them all. And the racers who had to watch this ridiculousness and then wait out uh, what was like a Bull Durham-like rain delay. Um, you know, I mean, it's just... It's just ridiculous. It slows the show down and is not necessary. And to be fair, there wasn't much of a call that can be made on something like that. I mean, the rule is the rule. You know, and our guy, Doug Crumlich, has a really good plan for all of this. I mean, he he noted that the high-dollar bracket races are getting a little bit testy. And he just decided, you know what we'll do? Uh, he will put bulletproof glass in full body armor on the drivers and the cars themselves. Um, if this thing is going to become full contact, be prepared for it. And Crummy is obviously joking uh, there. But he makes a good point about how racers will race, which is uh, they aren't going to let a little thing like full-on bumper cars or machine guns stop them. Adapt and overcome is the drag racer way. And that is exactly what's going to happen. So uh, give me the rules. I will play by them um, is what Doug Cromlich says. But uh, this other dude didn't like playing by the rules. And what are you going to do? Uh, I mean, get get your head together. What what on earth? Um, that, that said, there was some good news that came out of the guaranteed million great American bracket race. And that was Tyler Bohannon came through big and won himself a cool million dollars when he ran out of people to race at the end of the night. Uh, Tyler is uh, 23 years old and cashed a enormous check. Um, and he already has a very impressive drag racing resume. Um, and that said, it was very cool to see him get it done because he's an all-around likable dude. And, um, and there's this. Um, he is engaged to Megan Strasway, um, he daughter of the heavyweight Division Three top dragster competitor JB Strasway, and JB, my man, has got to be happy that at least he won't have to worry about his daughter asking for cash shortly after the honeymoon. My man Tyler has got it covered for a while. Um, at least, I guess, until he buys a comp car and or uh, an island somewhere. So congrats to Tyler Bohannon and all of the others who cashed out big time at the guaranteed million Great American Bracket Race. All right, let's put this thing in the beams presented by AFCO Racing. On with us now is a former NHRA Super Gas National Champion, and he is your current, most recent NHRA Top Sportsman World Champion. Welcome to the show, Jimmy Lewis. Jimmy, how are you today? I'm good. How are you? Well, Jimmy, I'm good, but I am not nearly as good as you because I am not hoisting a Wally and... Um, you know that, so that uh, is not quite as good as what you are, I would think. 
Probably not. It's it's a pretty awesome feeling. We've had a, a really good year and uh, just unbelievable. It's uh, it's kind of like a, a whirlwind tour that we've been on for the last about the last four months, and uh, just it it all worked out our way. We uh, we ran hard, uh, made, did put a lot of miles on the motorhome, and. Uh, we it just worked out the way we we had hoped it would and and uh the way we always want it to anyway right well it turned out to be quite an exciting uh final event um and we're gonna get to that in a minute because it's it's worth talking about but uh let's let's go way back let's let's start from the beginning um talk to us about how you got started in drag racing and what what the first car you took down the track was uh, actually, probably the first car I took down the track was a Volkswagen. I had <laughs> okay. a uh, Volkswagen Beetle that I put a V6 in and raced it some. And uh, I probably had another street car. I don't I think that was the first one, though. I, I actually raced motorcycles before that street bike that I took to the racetrack before I raced the Volkswagen. So. I, that's I, how it all got started. Well, that's the first time anybody said they've raced a Volkswagen on this show. I I know that for a fact. Um, <laughs> but um, it, it, did you have uh, somebody kind of uh, stoking that urge to go down the track? Uh, friends, family. How did how did you get going at first? Well, really, just going to school with the guys. We were all kind of car nuts, and we we uh, just. We loved to hot rod, and so we ended up at the track and the motorcycle first because I wasn't old enough to drive a car yet. And then uh, once I got old enough to drive a car, the Volkswagen was the first car I had, and I drove it for a while like it was and then put a V6 in it in the back of it, <laughs> ran it some more, and then raced it some. And uh, we went from that to a Camaro that we bracket raced and uh, just evolved from there. Right. Yeah. Um, and you're, you live in Texas now. So is that where, uh, where you started? I have been in Texas my whole life. Yes. The, we, the, we, uh, started out running at a little track in seven points, Texas, uh, called Cedar Creek dragway, uh, or seven points dragway, I think was the name of it. We ran at Kennedale, ran at Paris drag strip, um, the old heat, we ran all over all over wherever they were bracket racing that's where we were right right um well that yeah, that was a good area right you could get to plenty of different tracks and uh and really get some great experience that way yes sir um and then you you mentioned you said you bracket race for a while um obviously you have a world champion in super gas as well um when did you when did you decide to make the move from super gas after having all that success to this top sportsman side oh probably uh, i guess it was around 2008 or 9 10 somewhere in there i think it was around 2010 we decided uh, the guy I was driving for at the time wanted a different car he actually wanted a different super gas car and i said you know i kind of like the one i've got if you if you want something different, I'd say get a top sportsman car. So he got a top sportsman car, ordered a new Bickle car, 
of Tracy Dennis Sunset Racecraft at the time, the late Tracy Dennis. He mm-hmm. uh, supplied the motor, and, and we put the car together and ran it. We, we didn't run any full seasons. We just we were always – it's kind of a third car because I was still running Super Comp Super Gas. And uh, so we ran it just sporadically off and on. Did really well with the car. It, it ran won quite a few races, and uh, we just – like I say, never had really a full season with it to, to iron it out, to get used to the car, to really go after a, a, a points. Right. And so... Um, and, and that's like that same time I was still running my super guys. I would actually at one time I would run two different divisions. I would run, when I was running Tracy's rig, I, I hauled his rig all over the United States. And I would run two classes in division seven starting early in the year. And then I would run two different classes in division four, which started a little bit later. And we traveled so much back then that I was able to actually run four different classes. Some of them with the same car. Like I would run a top dragster in D seven with my dragster. And then I would run super comp in D four with the same car. Oh, I got you. Okay. Yeah. I mean, with, um, D seven, it allowed you to sneak in there and, uh, and do both kind of double action that way huh yes you could claim four different classes as long as you were willing to travel in two different divisions and and it it worked really well i i won some races and and uh finished up in points not obviously as high as i did this year but it, it worked well it was a lot of travel a lot of work but we enjoyed it yeah, you, you mentioned the phrase willing to travel, and uh, we're going to get back to that phrase here in a minute. Uh, but before we do, um, I, I let's talk about your current car. Um, when did you get that, and, and how did you how did you get a hold of this uh, current setup? Well, I, I bought that. The, the car I was driving, the guy decided to sell it, and I didn't really find out he was selling it until it's too late. It's already sold, so... I still had the super comp super gas car to run, but I, I, my wife and I talked about it and I, I said, I, I think there's still a few things I, I want to do in top sportsman. I've had really good success in it for the limited amount of time that we had run it. And I said, I think I'm, I'm, I'm not done there yet. So I, I started looking for cars, uh, went, actually went to Florida to look at one and, uh, Kenny Laughlin, Alex's dad called me and as I was, almost there to look at the car in Florida. And he said, well, you know, what are you doing? I said, I'm looking for a race car. And he said, well, what are you looking for? And I said, told him, and he said, well, you're in the wrong state. I have one for sale. <laughs> so I looked one in Florida, didn't buy it. I went and looked at Kenny's. When I got back home, I went and looked at Kenny's and really liked it and uh, bought it. And uh, to back up to about probably 10 years ago, uh, Joe Hessling with APD had came to Vegas to the, division race at the end of the year and he brought a dragster out there and he cranked this car up and and i wasn't i didn't really pay much attention to pro chargers or anything like that but he cranked his car up and it sounded like it run about a 730 out there at vegas and he'd drive it to the lanes he drives the tech he'd drive it everywhere and so i start looking at it and he goes out there and runs it goes 630s <laughs> where you got here joe <laughs> right and i've known joe anyway and, yeah and so it, I looked at it. I really got curious about it. I really liked it. And I said, man, I got to have one of those. Well, fast forward about six years later, I finally got one. Right. <laughs> so 
that's how I, I when I that was in my back of my mind the whole time to put that in a top sportsman car because it was it seemed like it would be low maintenance, low fairly low cost compared to the eight nine hundred inch motors or the big nitrous motors, right? And somewhat reliable, and you could qualify anywhere, and that's just that was my plan the whole time. So once the other car sold, I found the one from Kenny, bought it called joey ordered the engine and uh, just started putting it together so is that has that been your experience has been um you know kind of what you thought in terms of a little bit easier in terms of the maintenance and and obviously the power level is is there in the procharged engine the power level definitely there Uh, we had a, a few hiccups early on with part failures and probably i'm hard on equipment anyway so I, I you know some of that could have been attributed to my driving i don't know but we did have some issues early on but we're sneaking up on it they had built i think at the time they probably built three or four dozen of them pro charger motors for dragsters and they go out there they run good they last they they just had really good success with them but putting in a door car we have to weigh 2600 pounds in nhra and so putting in the door call was a little bit of a learning curve for, for myself, for Joey Hessling, for John Kyle, for everybody involved. It was a different process. Right. Well, you've, you've certainly figured it out. That, that's for sure. Um, but, and for those that don't know, remind me, is that an 09 uh, GXP? Is that what that is? What year is that? Oh, 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 eight. Oh, eight. oh, eight. Bickle. Okay, 08 Bickle GXP with the Pro Charger. So, you know, you've got, um, you, you don't necessarily have a hood scoop. You've got a cowl, cowl hood on it, and then you bring that Pro Charged air right through the middle, uh, right in the middle of the hole, right? That is correct. We started out originally based on, again, on what the dragsters are doing. We started out with no opening in the front, thinking it would pull the air it wanted or needed. And then slowly we'd open up a little hole, a bigger hole, a bigger hole to get where we're at today. And uh, it's it's uh, it takes more than you think. Some of the the dragsters, for some, I guess, because they're so open anyway, they can get by with not uh, a funneled opening to the pro charger and still pl- make plenty of boost. Mm-hmm. But for whatever reason, in that door car, it it needs the air coming in, needs a place to pull it. I got you. And that car too back up a little bit more that car was originally built for a guy out of pennsylvania david allen it was the hussy copper comp eliminator car it was a blown small block with a five speed oh really when i when yeah and when kenny called me he had already sold the engine transmission out of it so i bought the car rolling uh i got you good car stock wheel base double rail car and Bickle, that's the other car I drove before was a Bickle car also, and I, his products that come out of that shop are just second to none. They're they're awesome from the paint, the the welding, the the chassis, the assembly, the wiring, everything. It's just it's awesome. Yep. Well, it's a it's a great looking car, and um, I I kind of I really dig those GXPs when they're running them in pro stock and and that and. So to, whenever I see one now, it kind of catches my eye for sure. And I was going to ask you if it was single or double, double frame rail. Um, from the 
transmission side, power glide or turbo four? How does that how does that work for you? We started with a power glide and uh, ran it for almost a full season. Had trouble with it. Couldn't really. We had two different ones. Couldn't keep one in. So everybody else that I talked to in the business said, "Got to be a 400." When I started shopping 400s, I had a, a couple of people in mind and went with Carl Rossler at Rossler Transmissions. Okay, sure. So, yeah. That... Carl built, he built all of his parts, his transmissions. I mean, they do it all. Very reliable that way, right? They are reliable. Uh, I did break it earlier this year. We were at St. Louis and broke a... a a tooth off of a planet gear got stuck in ring gear. Uh, I pulled it out. Joey Hessling was there at the race. He took it home with him Sunday night. His dad took it to Carl Rolfster Monday morning. Uh, Carl said at one point they had three people working on it because I, I was trying to make the Dallas race to run the national. Right. And they had three people working on it at one point. And they got it Monday morning. And Monday evening it was on the truck on its way back to me. There you go. Yeah. They tug it apart, fixed it, had all the parts there because they built them, and put it back together, dynoed it, and put it on truck that evening. And you won that Houston race then, right? Is that? The Dallas. Dallas, okay. Gotcha. Dallas. Yeah, Ennis, Ennis is what it, where it's actually at. I won that one. Yeah, I got the transmission back, from, went over to R&L Carrier to their dock, picked it up Wednesday morning, brought it home, put it in, ran it, Loaded up, went, which Ennis is 45 minutes from my house. I went to Ennis. I qualified, I don't know, four or five, won the race. Yeah, I mean, it, it, when you look back on a, a championship season and you, you look at all those little things, you know, people that helped, um, you know, were instrumental in making sure you got that, you know, to the race, um, everything was good, and, you, and then you were able to, you know, get that win. And that was really, if I remember right, uh, kind of, I mean, what started your season of, in terms of points, you went on a roll late, and that was kind of when <laughs> things things really started getting going for you, right? That's correct. That's when I actually uh, looked at world points was after uh, Dallas. I, I had another part failure early in the year, at our, actually our second race out, which was my first Division Four points race. And so I was down for three months waiting on parts and getting everything back together. And the next race I went to was Denver, the national uh, qualified number one, won it. Uh, went to uh, Topeka, a couple of races at Topeka after that. Uh, I think I, after Topeka, the next one was Indy, won it. I'm still not thinking world points because I have, at the, po- at the time, I think at, at Indy, I think I had three division races total that okay. I run yep. and so yeah I, I didn't really look at world points until after winning in it and then you said ah, maybe That's I'll take I, a peek at that right yeah and then then you I go did, and, I, and I did look at that and, and look at the schedule and figured and still wasn't thinking I could get enough races in but I figured out there was a race in Tucson so we went to Tucson qualified number one won it get back home i'm looking to uh, schedule in the calendar again and forgot there's a race in north carolina I had a good friend of mine text me said you got to go north carolina so here we go north carolina didn't do too good there but uh 
funny story about that is I, I picked up one point. I had a thirty, I had two thirty point races at, after. Well, Tucson was my fifth division race, which of course they count the best five out of eight. Right. And so at that point, I had a full count, but I still had two first rounders that I could better on. And there's only two races left: Rockingham and Vegas. And so we load up, go to Rockingham, went out first round, but friend of mine told me before I went, he said, there won't be very many cars there. You'll get a, a extra point per round. You're 22 points behind. By the second round, you can catch, get even, and then go from there. Okay, well, went out first round. I thought, well, that's a long way to go for go out first round. <laughs> right. I get back home. I'm looking at points, and now all of a sudden I'm 21 points behind instead of 22. It's like, how did that happen? Well, I got 31 points for going out first round instead of 30 because of the low car count. I said, well, you know, that one mm. point might make all the difference at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. Well, for those of Which you, kinda, yeah, for those of you that are looking at the map right now, um, just think about Jimmy <laughs> being in Indianapolis over Labor Day, uh, Tucson. Then going, hey, just a couple miles east of there is Rockingham, North Carolina, and then getting back to Vegas for the, the last race of the year. We mentioned that you have to be willing to travel, and you did that to get this thing done. We did. We didn't have a lot of choice. Uh, we, between two, well, Dallas, like I said, 45 minutes from home. When we got home from Dallas, we went to Tucson came back home, worked a couple of days, went to Rockingham, come back home, worked a couple of days, took a weekend off, went to Vegas. But um, from two, for Tucson and Rockingham, we went 4,000 miles in two weeks <laughs> and worked our regular jobs in the, during that. Right. Yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's hustling. I mean, it's worth it now, but you literally showed up at Vegas – going, hey, I'm, what, 21 points behind at this point. And uh, Paul Mitos goes out there as well. So, you know, you obviously see Paul parked in the pits and knowing that you've got to, um, you know, go a couple more rounds than he does. What was that whole process like um, in your in your mind? Like, what, what were you thinking you had to get done? Well, uh, to be honest, I, when I went out there, I went out to win the race, and I figured if I win the race, then points will take care of themselves. And, and even though I was 21 points behind Paul, I was working on a first-round loss. He was working on a second-round loss. So he had to get to the third round before he could gain any points. By, by the third round, I was either even with him or I was that one point ahead. I don't remember exactly, but... At one point during the race, I, he had—I think he had went out, and I won the round, and I was one point ahead of him, which is where that one point comes in. Right. Yep. And then in the semis there at Vegas, uh, even after I was one point ahead, Ed Open could still catch me because he was claiming the, the divisional there and the national at Pomona. He was getting points for both, and Paul and I were done after Vegas. We'd already claimed out on nationals. And and that was the last division race, so couldn't anybody, nobody could claim anything there. But even after I was one point ahead, Ed Open could still possibly pass me, my, me and Paul actually. And uh, I ran him in the semis and put him out, and that sealed the deal. 
Yeah, that's pretty impressive, right? Like you, you see Paul, you know, hey, um, he's he's going rounds. You see him go out third round, but then the other guy uh, at open, you know, who has a chance, then you you have to face him, which uh, you know I I think is good, right? I mean, do you feel like hey, like at least it's in my hands now to get this thing done? Yeah. Yes, absolutely. I would rather. I'd rather me have the opportunity to do it than to have to rely on somebody else to do it. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I guess, I mean, you've done this before, right? You won the, the Super Gas World Championship in 98. So, like, did that that help a little bit? Like, just having the fact that you had been there before, you had you'd uh, gotten that done, was that kind of in your head? Like, hey, I can get this thing done? I think it was. I think the pressure was off because, well, for one, I came in, I had nothing to lose and everything to gain. Paul was in the lead. He's looking over his shoulder. He had everything to lose. And so I think that was a little bit of it. And and the fact that I'd already won a world championship, I've I've lost uh, several of them by, some of them by less than one round in the end of the final. And so, I've been finished number two, number three, number, you know, all the top ten numbers pretty much I've had them mm-hmm. throughout the years. And so I even told Paul afterwards, I said, man, I know how you feel. I've been there. Trust me, I know. And it's not a good feeling. And he, right. he took it real well. He was a real good sportsman about it. And uh, we were cutting up some during the weekend. I never even met Paul before Vegas. And he come up and introduced himself there at Vegas and, so we kind of were cutting up and back and poking back and forth a little bit during the weekend. And, and we, we, my wife and I run the car and we have just had a blast all year running the car. And, and especially when it, when it does well, like it has been. And so that pretty much just continued. We just were still having fun. We, we had a blast when we went to Tucson, even though we, went out first round in North Carolina. We had a blast there. We, you know, we went a lot of miles, but we get along real good. We enjoy the traveling, not not necessarily that much in that <laughs> amount of time, sure. but we do enjoy the races and traveling. And so we were just having fun. And, and I just continued that at Vegas. We continued to have fun. And I mean, like I say, for me, I felt like the pressure was off. I've been in both positions. I've been in at the front, looking over my shoulder, thinking, well, this guy could catch me, that guy could catch me, whatever. And I, I, to be honest, I kind of like it better being behind and looking ahead of out front and knowing what I have to do to make it happen. Right. Yeah, no, I can see that. If I make make it happen, then I've got everything to gain, nothing to lose. Uh, Paul, he's out there, and he raced hard. I told him second or third round, I said, man, you're not making this easy on me. <laughs> and uh, he, he, he said the same thing, you're not making it easy either. So, But, you know, he, he, he ran hard, ran good. They had a engine tr- – they had first broke a transmission at Vegas. Then they heard a motor. They had to get a whole new car. The car he ran on Sunday was not the car he brought to run. He They had right. to get a whole different one. He got in on the last qualifying session – was the only way he even got to race. I mean, he was uh, he was battling a lot of adversity to, to even get to Sunday. Right. And to go to the, I think he went out in the third or fourth round. Whatever round he went out, that was quite an accomplishment to go that far in a car that he had never even driven before. 
yeah, I mean, he was fighting, right? I mean, he's and uh, Jimmy was is a good dude, or um, sorry, Paul's a good dude and uh, you know competitive guy, and so yeah, he wasn't just going to give up, right? He was going to try to figure that thing out, but no, right, not at all. He wasn't giving up, and he has a lot of resources. Obviously, they got a lot of cars, and I guess a lot of engines, probably, and and so yeah, there was no reason to give up. He's got all the D seven guys are out there to help him. And if he needs to change the engine or whatever he needs to do, but yeah, he, he, uh, fought a long, hard battle. Well, I'm, I'm glad that you mentioned your wife, uh, Phyllis, cause I was going to ask you who all goes along with you, but, uh, you, you mentioned her. I mean, she's obviously a big part of your program. Yeah, she, but we just, we, we don't have children. So that, cars our child basically yeah. and so yeah that's our life we we've done it for a lot of years and and really enjoyed it she was uh we won the 98 championship together and uh we have a little bit of help from time to time uh trisha uh, helps us some it's uh, a girl a friend of ours that runs uh super gas and trisha owens now used to be trisha allen she used to go help us all the time and she was there whenever we need her, and she still helps us when we can, but she's since gotten married and has a child of her own, so she doesn't get to go as much and got a real job, too, by the way. And so <laughs> right. she doesn't get to go as much. So pretty much it's me and Phyllis. Uh, my good friend John Brimer was out there with us in Vegas helping some, uh, just driving golf carts. So just every little bit. Those cars require so much attention sometimes that, it's it's a handful sometimes for two people. So oh, if we recruit by here and there. We if we can, we do. But typically, it's me and Phyllis that when we go, that's who that's who's going to be running the, the program. Yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, those cars are like angry girlfriends. You know, they need a lot of attention, and if they don't give it, get it, they will tell you that they need it. Right? Yes, they will, <laughs> and uh, it's. I run Super Gas, Super Comp forever, and I ran those classes. I've run both of them by myself before and, and not had a problem, as long as there's no breakage. You know, if you got to change transmission, converter, whatever, somebody's always chipping in to help. But those cars, you can run them at, from the trailer back to the trailer, no problem. You can do it all by yourself. These door cars, where you can't see them to drive them, so you got to push them. Don't probably don't have enough fuel to be driving them to the lanes and back, so that's not a good idea. And then you got to get the chutes packed when you get back. Got to cool the transmission, cool the engine, fuel them. You know, just it's it's just some routine. I call it routine maintenance between rounds that it takes. We're not working on engines typically or anything like that, but there's still quite a bit to do between rounds to, sure. to get to the next round. And that's I have my job that I do. Phyllis has hers that she does, and it just works out really well. We've, we've got it figured out pretty much. Well, last time you won a world championship, uh, you moved and, you know, went to a, you know, after a couple of years, you went to another class. Uh, what's the plan for next year and beyond now that you've, you've got this uh, hardware, the Wally hardware? Uh, the plan is to go win another one. Okay. Two or three or whatever we can do. We There's no plans at this time to, uh, change cars, engine combination, transmission. It, we This car has been in the process for about four years to get it to where it's at. And we've been so close so many times, and then some little something would jump up and bite us, and we finally, even fighting the, the 
heartbreakage earlier in the year, we finally got it to a point where it seems pretty happy. So it's kind of a rinse and repeat from here. That sounds dangerous for the rest of uh, the top sportsman guys, um, you know, across the NHRA competition landscape that uh, you, you're just going to keep doing what has already been very successful for you. But uh, certainly understand that that uh, that makes a lot of sense. Well, I, I appreciate you coming on and spending some time with us because I know you've, uh, you know, you've uh, been traveling quite a bit and you just got home. So I appreciate you coming on and talking with us a little bit. Well, I appreciate the offer. Uh, it's good to, good for people to notice at what's going on out there because we do travel a lot. We do hit as many races as we can and, and not really always sure who's paying attention, who's not. So it's, it's good to, to get some recognition. And for NHRA and Lucas Oil and all the people that make it possible for us to have a place to race, it, it, it's, it's good for them to, to get a little recognition too. Absolutely. Well, thanks for coming on. Um, what an amazing season you did have. Wish you well uh, catching up a little bit in the off season. You know, um, from hopefully you don't put as many miles on in the off season. Get a little rest that way, and uh, we will talk with you here again uh, soon. I am sure, guys, girls. That was your 2021 NHRA Top Sportsman world champion jimmy lewis if you need him today's half track report is brought to you by dragracelawyer.com like it always is get to dragracelawyer.com if you would at least like his facebook page um Help our sponsors a little bit. Um, Ed Harney is an all-around good dude and will help you when the legal need arises. Um, Don't have a lot of action to talk about this week, but we did have one final event in Pomona on the NHRA national event side, and we had a good turnout um, for both the top sportsman and top dragster classes. We had 31 cars in top dragster. Your number one qualifier was Jeff Conley. He's been kind of a perennial number one qualifier in top dragster on the West Coast uh, all season long and gets it done again. Uh, but your winner, and this is this is great, Parker Theobald over Jennifer Weens. Um, little friendly competition there. But Parker with the reaction time advantage and the lead as Jennifer slows down track, giving Parker the win light and the Wally. His second national event, Wally Parks Trophy, and I believe first in top dragster. Um, but uh, great, great uh, win for Parker in uh, top dragster at Pomona. On the top sportsman side, there were 32 cars, so it's a full field. Great showing to finish up the year there. And your number one qualifier was Brian Laflamme. You've heard him here on the show before. He goes 626 at 225 miles per hour for the top spot. But your winner is Jeff Gillette. Um, again, uh, former guest of the show over Ryan Pretty. Gillette is 19 leaving the line and dead on seven for the win light in the Wally. His Fifth national event, Wally Parks Trophy. Both Gillette and Pretty were dead on seven on their dial-ins. 
and Jeff Gillette's better reaction time was the difference maker. So congrats to both Parker Theobald and Jeff Gillette for getting Wally Parks trophies to finish up the year. Also, um, there was another event, um, the World Street Nationals at Orlando Speed World Dragway. Uh, I don't know a lot about that other than mostly it was heads up and it was 10 stacks to win the top sportsman trophy. And so that that was good good deal. They had 16 car field. Buddy Perkinson was your number one qualifier. He goes 390 with a seven for the top spot and ultimately wins that event. So Buddy Perkinson goes number one to the winner circle, gets 10 grand in the process and wins top sportsman at the World Street Nationals in Orlando. Um, I've been teasing this for a while, uh, but next week we're going to talk about all the NHRA divisional winners. They're all well-deserved, and they deserve a little bit of time. So I'm going to push that to next week. I promise you I will get to them next week. But uh, we'll talk about all the NHRA divisional winners, the guys and girls there, because they deserve it. Those are um, well-earned victories there. And so we'll talk, spend a little bit of time talking about them next week on the Half Track Report. Whoa, let's get out of the groove for just a minute um, and talk about what, what we've never talked about before. So this is brand new because uh, I didn't even know this thing existed. Uh, but we have talked about race cars leaving the racetrack before. Uh, specifically, a lot of the drag radial guys. I mean, they get a tremendous amount of uh, wheel speed on those things. And those dudes take flight, usually at one of Ducks races down south. And I think something happened over the weekend as well where this radial car just took flight at half track, mostly because... Those dudes hate wheelie bars like I hate roadsters. And so I can appreciate that, but I don't want to take flight without any landing gear. So um, for me, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But here's who does want to take flight, and in a big way. What is called the Airspeeder Evital Drone Drag Racing League. This is... This is uh, what's called the world's first racing series for manned flying cars. You heard that right. Manned flying cars. And they just did this. uh, Their first race was November 8th, so just over a week ago. And essentially what these dudes did was they built car-sized drones. They got into it like a helicopter pilot. And they went down to Australia and set up a a drag strip where they can fly um, they go about 15 meters their rule is they they want to go about 15 meters off the ground uh, so let's call that 50 feet and then they race um, on a 200 meter track so that is just shy of an eighth mile right 656 feet but these dudes get in these oversized drones fly up you know they've got the uh They've got the uh, um, the four different uh, blades that are going on instead of the one big helicopter blade. And uh, I don't know if they kept the little 
blade protectors on like I have to when I fly my drone around the house and ram it into everything. But these dudes get in these flying cars and then lift it up. They get about 50 feet off the ground and then created a drag race. So apparently this airspeeder league is going to have three different series. There's a, essentially a drag race series, um, an oval series, and then some type of road course like series. And the drag race was the first one they did. So very cool from that standpoint. Um, and I'm just going to read a, a little bit off their website here because I didn't know anything about it. But it says here, our pilots control multi-copters with a greater thrust to weight ratio than an F-15 fighter jet. So I don't know about that. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't want to act like they're better than Top Gun. But here's what it does say. Uh, multi-copters and a greater thrust to weight ratio than an F-15 fighter jet. Um, it also says our machines are engineered by leaders in space tech, F-1, and aviation. Teams are handed identical racecraft Competitive advantage is only gained through the pilot skill and world-class strategy. So interesting stuff that way. Um, you know, I, I don't know that it typically, I don't know what it means for drag racing. And truthfully, I don't know from a visual standpoint uh, that would ever be better than launching and pulling the wheels off the ground um, from the asphalt. But I do know this. The second I can get my hands on a car-sized drone that I can drive 50 feet above the roads, I am in. My commute to downtown Indianapolis would have been cut down to about five minutes from the normal 30-plus that I have. And I'll just land that bad boy right on the top of the parking garage. I mean, that's what I'll do. I'll just fly it over everybody. Everybody else can be sitting at these red lights. They can be uh, watching people you know, text and drive and all that stuff. And I'm just going to float right by, right over the top of them, right to where I want to go. And I'm going to land that dude right on the top of the parking garage. Boom, perfectly right in a parking space. None the wiser, man, in and out, five minutes, save myself an hour every day on a downtown commute. I love it. I'm excited about it. Um, and I definitely want one. But uh, there it is. You heard it here first. The Airspeeder Evital Drone Drag Race, the world's first racing series for man flying cars. I kind of love it. As we hit the mile per hour cone, um, I just want to talk about this coming up. Coming up uh, is PRI, the Performance Racing Industry Show, December 9th to 11th in Indianapolis. And I hope everyone is making plans to attend. If you have not, you are absolutely missing out. It is like a huge candy store for racers. Um, and it's it's really fantastic. Let, um, you know, just like, uh, you know, you want to go in, you want to go to a candy store, you want to go to the mall, shop for whatever. No, no, no. Go to PRI, shop for the coolest parts coming out. It's, it's really uh, the best thing you can do for yourself. A um, little Christmas gift to yourself, I would say. But... Here's what's really important about this year because there are some really interesting things coming down the pipeline and some big announcements from PRI themselves. Um, and I'll say this, there looks like there's still time to register. You need to do that this week um, if you haven't. And quite simply, 
It is more important every day that we join PRI and work together to keep the sport we love available to not only us, but to our children and the next generation. Uh, PRI is doing some great things around organizing our sport so that we can lobby for items that need our protection due to our collective power. If you've listened to the show at all, you know that mostly politicians get in the way and muck things up for the rest of our lives. I mean, that's really what they do. That Rarely throughout history have politicians done anything good for the people that they supposedly rule over. Truly, they don't do a lot of good things out there. But the ones that do, the ones that have helped, usually are encouraged by a lobbying organization. And as such, PRI is trying to organize all of drag racing so that we can lobby for things like that make sense for us. Um, I hope that makes sense. Like Because essentially, if we work together, we can change some things like, for instance the DOT laws that are quite simply impossible to be perfect on in today's environment. I mean, if you've ever tried to decipher the DOT laws from state to state, you will be, you're nodding your head right now. You're like, I don't know. I'm legal in this state. I'm not legal in that state. That's illegal. I'm just hoping I'm not getting caught. And the reality is, all of this stuff should be working together. And the only way we get these laws um, and different regulations passed that help our sport is if we lobby and we are organized group. And that's what PRI is trying to do. So um, if nothing else, if nothing else, what you do, you need to go to the PRI website. Um, if you can't attend the event in Indy, and I, I get it, not everyone is lucky enough to live in Indianapolis like I am. Uh, but uh, join on in, you know, and and check out that website, join in, and do what is needed for our sport to continue and thrive. Really, it is maybe one of the most important things we can do if if you have any thought about, you know, if you have kids, if you have relatives, or if you just want the sport to continue going, or if you just want to protect your investment. Uh, that is really what we're all trying to do is protect our investment, making sure that we can still drag race 20, 30 years from now. And so we need to get organized now. And that's exactly what PRI is doing. So I'm really excited what's coming down the pipe. All right, let's bring this thing back in. Let's take a peek in the other lane. Let's do it. Let's take the stripe. Guys, girls, that is the show. It is time to pull the shoots on episode number 86. Chris, producer Chris, doing it right there. Giving it to us, the Winlight and Gloria. I love it. I love it. Um, I truly do. Um, guys, girls, we had a great week this week. We got caught up on some action. We learned about all the good things going on in, and bad things going on in high-level bracket racing. Um, we got to know about the PRI, um, all the cool stuff they're doing, which is for the good of the sport. And then we learned a little bit about drone flying cars and uh, very cool stuff. Plus, plus, we had on a great guest, Jimmy Lewis, your NHRA top sportsman world champion for 2021. Uh, amazing interview, really. Uh, but you know, if you have comments, questions, or per curse words, you know there are three ways to get at me. Um, now, 
but be better. Be better than what you guys have been. You can use the Facebook page using Messenger. You can uh, probably find me researching drones and how to fly them. Um, and you can also use the email fastbracketsoutlook.com. But clean it up, get off the guardrail, and uh, getting back in the group. Guys, girls, I hope you enjoyed it. Keep the rubber side down and travel safe. think that I'll uh, ever not check my dial in before I pre-stage in the future. Right. Uh, nor should you. Nor should you knock down all the cones if, for whatever reason, you would uh, forget to uh, check it, for sure. I wonder if those guys in the drone racing league, uh, do they check their uh, ET or their uh, dial in before they stage? Yeah, that's pretty fascinating. Uh, to my knowledge, they're not actually, you know, they won't be bracket racing it's all heads up and to be fair i don't even think they gave us an et what they did give us was a mile per hour so they went uh they covered the eighth mile in about 95 miles per hour which i you know i don't know i mean i i i understand they're not gonna have the torque that you'd leave uh, with a regular car but that seemed okay to me it seemed like a pretty fast run just sure all I want to do, Chris, is I just want to be able to hover over traffic lights and move past them. That's all I want to do. I mean, I'm all for the multi-copter uh, racing league, but what I am want to do is I want to have the multi-copter anti-traffic jam. That's what I want. Today's episode was brought to you by AFCO Racing Products. For over three decades, AFCO Racing Products has focused on one goal, deliver high-quality racing products to those who compete to win. In drag racing, you only get one chance to get it right. Choosing quality components from the start leads to round wins and ultimately leads to championships. At AFCO Racing Products, they engineer manufacture and produce four-way shocks, struts, and double adjustable shocks complemented by a complete lineup of springs to support the entire range of drag racing competitors. If you are bracket racing today and future plans include top dragster or top sportsman, they have the correct shock package for you at every stage of your racing career. For tech support, quality and superior on-track performance, Think AFCO Racing Products.